think one of the things that um, you might find me doing is sort of reflecting on things as we go. And if you feel like I'm teaching you to suck eggs, uh, my apologies. Uh, if I'm not teaching you to suck eggs, then, um, then that's okay. Um, but I just feel like sometimes it's good to state the obvious. So, for example, now as we open the Bible, I don't think that sometimes we then have an expectation that the Spirit of God can break in because we're in reading Bible mode. But I think we, we need to break that. Um, and that the most anointed teaching or preaching should be when the Spirit of God picks it up and takes it to a completely different place. So, um, and that's not, that doesn't rest on my shoulders, that's an us thing. So if we feel the Spirit of God is doing something on us, as we, that's the word in the Spirit. That's how worshippers, Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, that's how they will worship. That's true worship. Um, and when we go to either one of the extremes, we do that sometimes by compartmentalising. I know this is the time when we pray for them, and this is the time when we really it can be equally um, all together. So, okay, so let, let's get our, our, our antennae up, uh, head and heart, and um, go for it. If you uh, want to grab a copy of the notes, um, there should be plenty, one for another. I think there are five sheets, they're all bundled together in, in bits. Okay, last week we, um, we said that if you want a relationship with Jesus, uh, we're in Discover Relationship with Jesus mode, that's, that's the title of these few weeks. And we just really said that actually there's nothing more important. If, if you want to be in a church that's thriving, you've got to be in a church where people are helped directly to God. And so relationship with Jesus is, is where we've got to start. And, and in one sense, it's, it's more important than anything else that we could look at. And, uh, you know, we've been in churches, I'm sure all of us, where actually it's about people being built to, to men and women. And what happens then is when that, that man or that woman leaves and moves on, um, people flounder. Whereas if we can build people to God, then we keep something of his house, his family, and it's not dependent on that man or that woman. So relationship with Jesus is where we're at. We said, we said a couple of things last week. Um, we said, if you want to have a relationship with Jesus, there is no getting out of the fact that biblically you've got to be a disciple. And irregardless of how that has been for you in the past, whether that's a positive or a negative word, we, we want to reclaim wonderful, exciting, biblical discipleship and, um, and model some of that. Not to say that it's always easy, but um, it's an adventure. And then secondly, we said we defined a disciple. A disciple is someone who, who follows someone and in following gets something of that person's life imparted into theirs so that they change and become more like them. And um, we talked about the fact that if, therefore, you're a Christian, but you don't expect to change week by week, month by month, you've got to query whether you're a disciple. You may call yourself a Christian, but you might not be a disciple. And um, that's not always explicit. So Matthew 16, um, this is a very well-known passage. Um, I want to look at, at really some hounds now. And... Um, I want to look at three things that Jesus was very, very clear about. We could take many passages and look at the same thing. We could look at the Sermon on the Mount. We could look at passages later on in each of the Gospels, and we could draw the same lessons. But I just want to look at Matthew 16, verses 13 to 27, and you'll recognize the verses, I'm sure. Um, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? 
They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock... I will build my church. You can see Peter's shoulders going back, his chin going up, he's swelling out. This is Jesus. He's, he's affirming me. He's believing in me. On this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hells will, of Hades will not overcome it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. And from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. Peter, chest out, chin up, full of encouragement, took Jesus aside and said, Never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits, loses his soul, his heart? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul or heart? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he's done. I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. I want to look at three things, and I wonder if, if unless God breaks in in a different way and we find things happen um, in other ways, I'd love to look at each one and then just have a time of ministry. Um, it's a bit of a challenge for me, but we'll, we'll race through each one, okay? And then, then we'll try and give 15 minutes of, or so just praying that into us. Is that okay? So here's number one. We're going to rattle them through. Three hows. How can I become a disciple of Jesus? How can I grab the adventure of his life and make it mine? I think the first one is very clear, verse 15. Jesus sort of has numbers of questions. Have you noticed how Jesus is a master question asker? And given that he's God, as well as man, our assumption must be he knows the answer. So he doesn't ask the question for his benefit, he asks the question for our benefit. So he's, he's wanting to draw out of something in Peter that Peter needs to crystallise and see for himself. And here's the first one. He says, who do people say that I am? And then he says, but Peter, who do you say that I am? Because discipleship is about not what... If, if it's Rebecca's discipleship, it's not about what Michelle thinks. Or what Jackie thinks. It's about what Rebecca thinks. It's that personal one-to-one. Who do you say that I am? And it's funny, isn't it? Um, whether... If we went out this evening and we invited all your neighbours, whether they knew Jesus or not, every single person in this room would be a disciple of something or someone. Have you ever thought of it like that? 
whether you're consciously signed up to the discipleship school of pop culture or whether you signed up consciously to the school of a particular fashion, whether you signed up to the discipleship of a particular po- political view, you are being discipled by someone or something, consciously or unconsciously. Everyone's heart has been designed by the living God to be shaped. And what Jesus is saying is, if you really want to live the adventure of my life, you've first of all got to clearly, consciously settle the issue of who is your primary shaper? Who is your teacher above anyone else? Now, if we were to ask the question, who has shaped you? See, this is what you're doing to Peter. Peter, fisherman, that's your trade, that's your upbringing, you're a Jew. The rabbis will have shaped you, the temple will have shaped you. I'm now coming, and I want to know who do you say I am. I want to know what part in your life you're going to allow me to take. Some say that I'm Elijah, prophet, religious man. Some say that you're John the Baptist. Oh, John the Baptist, he was a good man, wasn't he? A good man. Ah, there are lots of good men in our lives, lots of religious people. But what about Jesus? Where does he fit in the scale of people who shape? If, if I was to ask you just to turn to the person next to you and just spark, brainstorm off one another. And this isn't about scoring points, right? Um, let's, just, let's just reflect on which influences have shaped you this week. Other than Jesus. So it could be the telly, it could be in a particular program that really spoke to you, it could have been the attitude of someone at work, it could have been someone dumping on you. Come up with two or three things that you know have shaped you and marked you, and even whether you were aware of it at the time, it has discipled you. Okay? And it might then just be interesting to throw out just a range and let's see, you know, I've got a few weird ones that I've reflected on this week. Two minutes? Let's go for it. Okay. Let's just, let's just go around. Let's throw out a few things that... Um, I'll, I'll give you a couple from mine. Okay, Hollywood has shaped me because uh, I've watched a few children's films. And um, then what you f- I find is that when you're doing life, um, certain phrases come out from films. <laughs> and sometimes the attitude underneath that phrase isn't actually very good. And you go, oh, okay, I've obviously been shaped by that. Um, another one uh, for me is uh, living in a road like this. I find that it's very easy to let my eyes go to the murk down the road or the extension being built over there. And, and then I go, oh, materialism is shaping my heart. It's squeezing my heart so that if, I, you know, if I'm not careful... How about other people? Serious model aircraft in <laughs> Going up the club and everyone's got bigger planes than Sticking things on the extra wing. Anybody else? Someone's vulnerability last Thursday with their openness blew me away. Okay, so that shaped you, that influenced yeah. you. Yeah, very good. 
I guess we could say conversely, if, if we encountered someone in the office, so I sat with someone uh, who lives on the road who popped in for a cup of tea, and they'd been shaped very much in a different way by someone's anger. And it was like, right, I, I, I want to come back fighting. They'd allowed themselves to be discipled by that environment. Do, do you see how subtle that is? Our soul is designed to be shaped. That's how God has made it. Now, ultimately, he wants our soul, our heart, the very, uh, the very most important part of our heart. You know, Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart, for it is the very wellspring of your life. It's where everything comes out. You know, so Jesus says, you know, if you open your mouth, it's actually the overflow of your heart. Um, you shouldn't be surprised by what comes out of your mouth because you should know what's in your heart. That's why he says, I need to come and exchange the tablet of the law that is hard and written on stone with a heart of flesh. I need to change you heart first and then the rest flows. And, um, now, I guess the key question is, it's not wrong to have lots of disciples, lots of influence. But the smart response is then surely... I want my primary influencer, I want my biggest teacher, the, the most influential um, lord, boss, to be the one who can deliver the best results. So think of it like this. If Jesus was on Mastermind, have you all seen the program Mastermind on the telly? You know, dun, 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 and a black chair, and it's a quiz. Have you all seen it? Do they have it over here? Um, Maybe it's just a British thing. Yeah. But th they get two rounds. One is a general knowledge round. And you get all these very clever people who know all the answers. And then they have a specialist subject. And they've spent the last three months swatting up on all these. And they're, they're experts on this subject. And they're expected to do really well on that topic. And sometimes, you know, they come a cropper on the general knowledge because they don't know quite as much. If Jesus was on Mastermind, his subject, his specialist subject, what is he the Lord of? What would he get... A hundred out of a hundred on. What would it be that we would want him to be our primary shaper and teacher? Now, the Gospels are full of it. We haven't got time to look at it. In your notes, I've put down numbers of different passages. Jesus is the expert on how to live life in the kingdom of God. How to come into the fullness of how we've been designed as human souls. And then also, how to extend that kingdom to other people so that they can enjoy it. And people have shortened that and summarised it by saying, he's the expert in how to love God and how to love other people. So if you're interested in any of that, and any of what that might include, which is a fairly broad, sort of all-encompassing remit, then you should be going to the expert of Jesus. Now we do that in other areas of life, don't we? If you, if you want your computer fixed, you don't go to a baker, you go to a computer expert. You go to the, the person who will deliver the best results. If you want your car fixed, you don't go to a seamstress, you go to a mechanic. But it's exactly the same. If you want success in life, you need to find the teacher who will deliver the best results. So the first issue of how can, we, how can we really have a relationship with Jesus? Settle the question, do you want Jesus? Who do you say Jesus is in your life? That's what Jesus is saying. Who is he? Is he number one? Is he number two? Is he number three? Or does he come right down the bottom? Let, let me earth it, okay? Let me give you a real example. Um, Rach and I uh, were both very strong. Um, 
and therefore one of that's a real strength of, that we both have but one of the downsides is that we it, when we argue we argue we come out fighting okay there, there are pieces of of dinner set that do not any longer exist because of the reality of, of our strength okay now at that point okay I nearly always I've been the moody one I admitted to that last week okay and now at the point at the point where I'm going I've been wronged she shouted at me forgetting the point that I probably shouted at her first um the Cold War sets in. Do you, do you know anything about that? And you go into stalemate. You go into that. I'm not going to do anything about this. Okay. Now, at that point, we've got a classic example of who is going to shape Chris Vincent. Who's going to teach? Who am I? Who is Jesus to me at that point? So you see, if, if I get stubborn and I, I I go storming upstairs, get into bed because that's the way that I can avoid any conflict. Jesus is not my number one teacher. That's how vitally important it is that we settle this issue. Jesus is going, I'm not interested in what other people say. I'm interested in what you say. Uh, this isn't a theoretical exercise. This is, this is life or death. Your soul is eternal. Now, how are you going to shape it? Now, at that point, I, you know, I, I'm moody. I find this really helpful. At that point, I'm really moody. It, it doesn't always work, but I, I find that to have levers to bring it. At that point, I go, Chris, Jesus, is he beautiful enough at this point when I'm fuming? Is he beautiful enough? Is he smart enough? Is he intelligent enough? That irregardless of everything that I feel at this point, is he worthy enough for me to trust that what he says I should do at this point, which is not let the sun go down on my anger, but at least, and, and as the head of the house, as the husband, even though I feel like she did the wrong first, I need to go and initiate. Now, that, that's where the rubber hits the road. That's, that's, that's an example of, is Jesus my teacher? Now, we could, that's a, that's a, I've gone fairly deep there, yeah. But it could, we could apply that to your driving. We could we could apply that we could apply that to your thought life. We could so you see the issue is. Let me ask you this question. Um, I put it down in your notes. Um. Does the notion of allowing God to shape how you handle your money, does that fill you with excitement or does that fill you with fear? Does the notion of Jesus shaping your thought life, your sex life, does that fill you with joy? Or with fear, and then you could, you, uh, uh, it's that sort of thing. It goes through the whole of your life as you ask that sort of question. And, and we're not trying to appear here. You know, Jesus comes to unzip us. Okay? Wisdom is recognizing where we're at so that we can figure out what the next step is that we've got to take. So, if you know, my experience is that Jesus loves us enough to put his finger on the thing where I go, actually, ask that question, it, it fills me with fear. Okay, I know where God's at work in my life. <laughs> 
I know where he wants to be teached, but I'm not allowing him. So the, the, the first vital question that we, we can embrace and pull into every moment of the day, and with the Spirit's help, he will remind us, he'll whisper, he's the counsellor, is do we want Jesus to be our teacher? Now, I feel the presence of, of God on this, okay? I'd, I'd love us just to welcome the presence of Jesus. And, and what I would like to ask him to do is just to go, which one teacher do you need to die to tonight so that Jesus can go up the list? So Holy Spirit, would, would you show that to us right now? I pray that you'd put in our minds... Make it clear, Jesus. We want to thank you that your kingdom is saturated in grace. This is not a condemnation thing. This is an adventure. So I pray, God, that where the enemy would want to come this evening and there. Just really lie to us and rob us of the joy. This is a high calling. This, this is about, oh, Jesus, you want to develop me? Like the boss coming in and out, the whole company going, I want to put you on this very prestigious program. No one else is going to go on it. I want you on See, I need to do some praying. I need to do some repenting. I need to see if you say, oh, well, I don't want to. Is that right? Can you just do some of that? Go for it. I hope I'm not crunching gears too much, but I'm going to go on to the second one. Um, uh, have you ever had a conversation with someone and you've just walked away and you've gone, I think in that area of that person's life, Jesus isn't really the boss. And uh, you see how important that question is. Um, and if we want to put the foundations in well for a church that's alive to God, those sorts of issues on a one-to-one -one basis must be part of our conversation regularly. Which is why, in one sense, even if we didn't get to point two and three, we've covered crucial issues. So in terms of discipleship, if discipleship doesn't have honesty and openness and trust that makes that a safe thing to do and get to the point where we're going, actually, I struggle with this. I struggle with that. My experience of discipleship is that normal discipleship has lots of conversations like that. And yet, so often, we feel like we've got to have it together. And, and we, can't, we can't be honest. Well, I don't see that in the pages of the Bible. 
normal church in the pages of the Bible is all sorts of mess and all sorts of chaos and then the wind of God comes and there's clarity in the structures that's brought by good fathers and mothers and, and the kingdom of heaven comes. Yeah, it's still ragged, still... So there's, there's nothing more important that we can do, you know, even more important than cups of tea, even more important than, than living life together, even more important than, than, than knowing what's in the Bible. Nothing more important than, than leading someone to the place where they can see, Jesus, Jesus isn't, I'm not allowing him to be the teacher in that area. Because then the door can open for God to come. So, if, if that brought some uncomfort to you, um, God's at work. If it, brought, if it brought condemnation to you, that's not Jesus. That's Satan. Yeah? The finger of God always brings conviction. It's a loving thing because it takes you on. It's the door that leads you into moving further. Peter, I don't know whether this will help, right? Peter then demonstrates what Chris Vincent is like. Okay? He's done so well. Jesus, I'll tell you who he is, the Son of God, the Messiah. Well done, Peter. On this one, Peter, I'm your number one teacher. With that sort of confession of faith, I can build a robust church where it has keys that unlocks things and power comes and authority is delivered and hell shakes. That's what Jesus is saying. Then we see Peter vacillating. Okay, Jesus, you're my number one. You're the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for, the one that would show us how to do life. And then Jesus goes, oh, by the way, the way that this comes is I've got to go to Jerusalem and I've got to be killed. I'm not having any of that, says Peter. And Jesus' response goes, hang on a minute, I thought you said that I was number one. I thought you said I was the boss in your life. You now haven't got the things in mind of God, you've got in Mind the things of Satan. Now notice that Jesus challenges, he's not afraid to challenge, but he does, it says he turns aside. He turns, doesn't do it in the public gaze, turns. It's a private thing with him and Peter. Now I'm, I'm like that. Are you like that? On some issues I've got it sorted. Jesus is my leader. On other issues it's like, no Jesus, we're not doing it like that. You're wrong. Now, as a dad, I'm familiar with that sort of thing in the supermarket. It's like, Henry, put that back. We're not having chocolate eclairs today, all right? And Henry gets into the authority struggle, okay? Yes, we are, Daddy. Plonk in the basket. Henry, we're not having chocolate eclairs. Yes, we are, Daddy. Action demonstrates. And there's a tussle for authority that goes on and on and on, okay? Now, um, you see that in every area of life. Now, with God... We're living in the period of grace where he says, I'm not going to force the issue with you, my dear child. The cross says, I'm in charge. I've proved that death and hell does not have ultimate sway over me. So the authority tussle of who has power has been demonstrated on the cross. The tomb is empty. Heaven is full of the glory of God. He's the boss. But in this season of grace, I'll allow you to make those choices. There's coming a time, Jesus says, when I will wrap up this period of grace. And I will come as the judge. 
and all men and women will bow the knee and they'll see you don't argue with Jesus. Now in this period, before he comes and does that, he offers us the choice. That's why number two, the second tool for having a relationship with Jesus, is what then Jesus goes on and describes with Peter. He goes, if you want to enter a relationship with me, if you want to know what it is to enter into the kingdom of heaven, you've got to learn to die to self. That's what he does. Um, he, uh, verse 24, let's read it. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. He's reflecting on what's just happened with Peter. Peter's tried to put his agenda, and Jesus has gone, no, actually, you've got to learn to let go of your agenda. Do you relate to Peter? Um, I relate to Peter. Um, I think that um, it's really important we we have a a working definition for death to self, because there's some funny definitions of death to self, okay? Monks have got it wrong. Self-flagellation has been involved. Selling everything that you own has, has been included in that. Some weird things, okay. So I, I think Jesus is being very wise. He's demonstrating the smartness of his credentials to be the Lord of Lords and King of Kings when it comes to teaching how to do life. He's saying this, look, actually, if I've got, a, a, if I've got one chocolate muffin in my hand, and that, that belongs to Chris Vincent. And this metaphorically depicts the quality of my life and, and the way that I'm leading myself. And then, I, and then I see a whole super queen cream tart in a plastic case. And it's like, uh, it's too big to pick up with one hand. Death to self is putting down on the table the inferior in order to pick up the superior thing that he offers. Now that, that for me transforms the whole thing of, of, of what many people think the Christian life is about. Many people think the Christian life is about don't. You can't do this, don't do that, you mustn't do that, you shouldn't do that. Now actually that's just one side of Jesus' wisdom. He's saying, look, if you've got on offer something superior, effective ways for resolving conflict with you and your wife. Yes, there'll be some pain and there'll be some cost, but this works... You'd be a fool if you didn't put that down in order to pick this up. That's what dying to... Dying to my little chocolate muffin in order to pick up the super queen cream ghetto. That's what death to self means. And he's saying it's, it's sequential. You've got to do the first before you can do the second. It's not that I won't give it to you. It's just that you can't receive it. Because your heart will be full of me, 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 my agenda. You can't die, you God. You can't die. I'm going to bed. I'm in assault, and that's it. Well, your heart won't have any room for the superior way that the kingdom operates. And so he says, number two, you've got to learn that first. Um, he says very clearly there's some costs. So he goes through the deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. Your notes, I've made some suggestions on what practically that could look like. You'll learn to submit. Deny yourself. For some of us, that's very difficult because we've never experienced the positive effect of submitting to a loving leader. Be it father, mother, boss, politician, church leader, whatever. But God's saying, actually, you need to learn to submit. Now, we don't do that blindly. 
God gives us numbers of tools to check on that sort of thing. The whole end of the Sermon on the Mount is about wolves in sheep's clothing. Jesus is very aware that it can go wrong at times. So he, he gives us acid tests to find out who we should be putting ourselves... Who, who's, whose authority should we be wise enough to give as an oversight into our lives? We need to check it out. It's not a blind thing. Um, denying ourselves, taking up our cross. We need to, we need to learn to, to actually let go of some things. So... Some of the struggles I've had to make is I've, I've had to walk through quite a lot of stuff having been shaped in a re- very rejecting environment. I've had to let go. One of the consequences of that is that whenever I get into a squeezed position where I feel like people are taking my choices away, I slip into the victim mentality. Um, woe is me. It's not fair. No one else has such a hard life as me. That's a victim. Right? And, and the lie there that I need to let go of that I need to take up my cross on and die to is that there is no choice. There is a choice every time. I may not feel like I have much choice, but I have a choice every time. God presents me always with choices. Um, and I need to learn to... You know, so you may have had a problem with forgiving people. Um, I have no choice but to hold this grudge. <coughs> yes, you do. Let it go. But that will that will cost me. Yes, it will cost you. But do you want to live with a chocolate muffin for the rest of your life? Or do you want to have a cream getter? Do you want to carry a rucksack full of rocks around on your back, weighing you down for the rest of your life? Or do you want to be free? Jesus says, Yeah, there's cost. Now, my experience is the first time I engaged with some of these things, it was hard. Because I was coming at it with such a moulding and a shaping. You know, Romans 12 had been squeezed into the mould of so many other teachers. That's why it needs to be a thing of God, where revelation comes and the Spirit comes on us. It's a, it's a thing where he... But we still have to engage ourselves. And my experience is that it's hard the first time I do it. The more I do it, like a muscle in the gym, the more I work it, the easier I find to lift the weight the next time I come. And we're, we're going to come on to that. The third area is follow me, i.e. sacrifice. Um, you know, not only die to unforgiveness, let go of things that have been part of you, but then pick up new things. So, for example, living by faith, for many people, particularly as they come into the kingdom, that's a radical new thing to pick up. Can't answer all the questions, can't get the spreadsheets out, can't answer the bank manager this, can't... But living by faith is a dynamic of the kingdom, so we need to be willing to follow Jesus as well, pick up on the new things. So I think he's being very practical there. Now, I wonder, are there things uh, that, that immediately for you, you go, well, I've not seen it like that before. The reason why I have not moved on that issue is I'm holding on to my chocolate muffin. And I am the one who's got to put it down. See, the kingdom of heaven is very close. That's what Jesus said. It's not far away. And when he opens our eyes, we go, oh, oh, but that's hard. Yeah, no, it is hard. There is cost. But the grace of God is there. He's rooting for us. He's calling us on. 
He's resourcing us all the way. So again, I think that if seership doesn't have at its roots conversations like, what are you finding hard? What are you finding stubborn in your heart and your mind and your behaviour at the moment? Then we're not really attending to the real issues of discipleship. So, you know, Holy Spirit, come on us. I, I feel like I, I don't know, I, I don't want to rush too quickly here. Okay, because I feel like God's doing stuff. You alright if we pray again? Um, if, if you feel like stuff is wobbling inside of you, um, let's just do the progression thing of truth it's, he's the good shepherd you see him he's the loving father like we looked at in the prodigal son or you've never seen a father like him and his love for us burns so deeply that he's not afraid to take off us the things that need to come off so He's got safe hands. This is what it means to be in Christ rather than in Chris Vincent. It's your choice. Jesus, would you come Thank you for your finger that knows what we can bear. We don't look at the things we can't bear. So tonight, we ask you, Jesus, put your finger on things. So two things we've looked at so far is the right relationship with Jesus. We need to settle the issue of who is Jesus to us as teacher, is he the smartest one, the most intelligent one, the one that we're allowing to shape our lives? The second one is, are we able to die to self? And then the, the final one Jesus gets into in uh, verse 26. He says, what good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? Um, I've put in, in the notes there um, I think I've put the message version have I? No, I've, I've put a message version of Proverbs 4.23 Above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life and in the message um, it reads Put everything you have into first developing the core of your heart for it determines what your life amounts to Um Jesus knows how we're designed and he knows that if, if our life is like a computer, we can have the most up-to-date flat screen um, display, we can have the most flashy tower with all the lights on it, but if the software that we run on it is not the right software, the hardware won't perform. And he knows that, that the most valuable, precious part of us that he has made that lasts for eternity is not 
my creases and my grey hair. It's my heart. I'm going to get a new body, um, but my heart is eternal. So Jesus is saying that as you learn to allow me to influence you by dying to your own agenda, the bit you've got to focus on more than anything else is not the whole world. He says, doesn't he? What good is it for a man if he gains a wonderful pension, a lovely house, fast car, Botox every other Thursday, um, his reputation is great, his wardrobe is immaculate, but actually, deep inside, his heart is rotten. He said, instead, what you need... He, he, he challenged the Pharisees. He said, you're, you're like a whitewashed tomb. Beautiful on the outside. Pull the door back. Stinks to high hell. He said, you, you tend to washing the outside of the cup, but you forget that the inside is filthy. Now, my experience is when you wash a cup, if you wash the inside first, actually what happens is the outside gets washed on its own from all the activity that goes on on the inside. If, if I carefully wash the outside, the inside stays dirty. Which is again why discipleship is about mess in a safe environment. We need to work at that. We need to, we need to find what does it look like to create places where we can trust one another. So that we can let the touch of God come and we can see his life transforming us. But we do need to, to focus it on the heart. Um, and uh, if you look in your notes there, um, uh, Dallas Willard puts it like this. He says that the heart is like the green room of your life. You, you, know, you go to a theatre and the green room is usually the room that you go into to get your drinks as, as actors and actresses but it's actually the place where all the rehearsals take place and he's saying look if you can work at, in your heart bringing forgiveness to individuals have you ever had that experience where you've said the words okay I forgive her but then ten minutes later you're planning in your heart ways of thumping her, getting your own back, stabbing a knife in, or am I the only one? <laughs> um, and you know, that, that's Jesus' definition for, have you really forgiven? How many times must I forgive? Well, 70 times 7, as many times as it takes for your heart to actually let, let go, because that's the place where the rehearsal is taking place. Now, what happens in rehearsal tends to get acted out on the main stage. That's what Jesus is saying. That's why you need to guard your heart. So if you've wrestled with the whole thing of forgiveness in your heart, if you've wrestled with the whole thing of... Uh, you know, so this week, um, when, I, when I meet with guys that I'm accountable to, the, the thing I know I need to be honest about that I've wrestled with this week is fear. I've got a difficult phone call to make tomorrow. I had a difficult conversation with, with someone who served me really well, who gave me information that I didn't want to hear yesterday. And as a result of that, all these thoughts come into my mind of, oh, what, what are they going to think? What happens if that doesn't happen? Pressure, stress, anxiety. Now at that point, it's review your plans for living, going back to last week, review your plans for living in the next five minutes. Chris, do you want to be shaped by stress and fear and the circumstances that 
that loom over you as your potential teacher? Or do you want Jesus to be your teacher? Review your plans for living. And in light of the fact that the kingdom of heaven is very close, oh, quick, Jesus, where are you? Now, I've got to find that peace in my heart if I'm to then allow it to reach the rest of, of the play that is Chris Vincent. Does that make sense? Now, I think Jesus um, is very clear about um, how you do that um, in, in other, other elements of his life, the way he demonstrates things. I think it's attention to two things. And then you notice I've, I've put down the whole thing of um, sometimes as Christians we just try harder. I've got to be more at peace. Try, try. I've got to worry less. Try. I mustn't worry about what he said, he thinks, or what she thinks. Uh, my experience of trying harder is that I just add to the stress and the anxiety. But Jesus um, makes it very clear that we need to work with the Spirit of God, but we need to invest ourselves. So it's, it's, not, it's not works that gain us forgiveness and and help uh, that, that by its own merit moves us on. But we reciprocate with the grace of God. The grace of God is available. We do whatever we can to reach out and have hands that can catch it. And those activities are called spiritual disciplines. So if, if my issue is, my heart is full of anxiety and stress, I've got to engage in a spiritual discipline that can catch the grace of God that would want to bring the peace of heaven to me. Now I, I know exactly what that is for me. I think that that spiritual disciplines need to reflect our unique mix. So for me, um, fear, the very nature of fear that brings stress and anxiety and robs me of peace, the very notion of fear comes from the one who came up with the idea in the first place. His name is Satan. He's a liar. That's his nature. He's the father of lies. To the extent that he will, he will seek to kill us, literally kill us, if he can. And that's not overplaying it, yeah? So what he will seek to do is shut us down so that we are not aware of the choice that we have in the kingdom. That's what fear does. My experience is that when I'm fearful, I, I hide within myself. I feel if I now talk to this person or that person, they're going to think I'm an idiot. That'll add to my stress, so I'm certainly not going to do that. Whereas actually, the kingdom says, no, what you've got to do is you've got to expose what's going on inside so that the kingdom can come and shine light on it. And what is true and is a real issue, God will come and strengthen you and put courage and faith in you, because that's the dynamic of the kingdom, it's the culture. And what isn't true, you'll see that, it'll fall away, and you'll go, I'm not having that anymore, it's a lie. You see? So the spiritual discipline for me when, I am, when I've lost my peace and when I'm stressed is I've got to talk out to God or to someone that I trust, Rachel or my triplet or whoever's deciding, I've got to confess that because the words break the control that is trying to hold me back and hide me down. You see, our culture has taught us men don't cry. Men don't share their burdens. They're tough. They push through it. Well, actually, uh, that's not biblical. That's not of the culture of the kingdom. It's true for women as well. Women can be just as bad as men. Um, and the issue is, what we need to do is, the emotion is telling us, oh, something's wrong. Emotions are godly gifts. They're not wrong. But they're not meant to shape our lives. They're, they're 
communication devices to help us figure out what's going on in our world. So if I'm feeling stressed, I don't shut down it. I go, oh, I'm, I'm stressed. Well, I've got to listen. Why am I feeling stressed? What is it that's happening? Okay, I've got to take that to God. And for me, my problem is I'm too thick or I'm too busy to realise what I'm feeling. I mean, I'm in the fast lane all the time, so I've got to stop long enough to the spiritual discipline when I'm stressed is I've got to have some solitude. Not to put the telly on or read a book, but solitude so that I can go heart, it's rehearsal time. Let's just act this one out. Why are you like this? What's going on? Now, who do you want to shape you in that fearful place? So, with this phone call that I've got to make, and with, with the conversation that I had, it was like, a lot of it was just lies. It was lie, lie, lie. I, oh, hang on a minute, I'm feeling all this. Oh, there's no way I'm going to pick the phone. Oh, there's no way I'm going to engage. Oh, and I, I got a bit grumpy, and, and I, I, I said to the person who I was meeting, oh, cool, can I just tell you what, what's going on? You might have thought I'm a bit distant there, but actually what's gripping me is fear. Oh. But is anybody like this, or am I just weird? And, oh, oh, it's fear. Oh, okay. And I recognise that now. The way I was trained and taught by culture was shut down on it, get moody, stay grumpy for a week, try and just work harder. Kingdom teaches me no. Confess your sins. He's faithful and just. He comes and he'll, he'll cleanse it as long as you engage in the kingdom. So my experience is as. As I just talk it out from that solitude, I, I, then, I, I don't do that very well. I have to journal. I can't even figure out what's been going on. So I write it down. Spiritual discipline, journal. It's called, it's called confession of writing, by writing. Yeah? And I find that men sometimes find that very helpful because they, they, haven't, they haven't learned how to, to speak. Okay. Um, and in that way okay? so the spiritual discipline of solitude gives me this now at the point where I'm going solitude I'm, I'm trying to come up with anything I can fill my time with rather than journaling okay? some of that is the flesh some of that is the enemy I've got to die to that chocolate cupcake cream cutter oh, which do I want oh, I'm going to silence desire to switch my computer on this morning because I need to get with God and at the point where I then go oh yeah it's that phone call I, I know I've got to make oh I'm fearful about that I go right I need to see you God I can't see you until I get rid of all the rubbish that is feeding inside me splurred splurred it was like this God he said this she said that that's how I, it made me feel oh, and, and then then I begin to feel things and, and that's where I I, I, I ah this is horrible ah speaking out spirit and tongues are incredibly helpful how dare you make me feel like that I'm a ch-. and then I, 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 I'm beginning to find some truth now that, that, that might take 15 minutes that might take half an hour I may get stuck and then I might have to worship God for a bit and then I, um, and I found that the more I've done it is it fair to say this darling the more when I, I met Rachel um, I was a mess in this whole department of life, Rachel was shaped in a very different way uh, by God and by her parents than the way I was shaped. I was a mess. I didn't understand how the kingdom wanted to come and break in in these ways. Whereas my issue now is I'm, I'm quite quick to realise what's going on. I still struggle to die to my own agenda sometimes. I like nursing the hurt or the fear. So it brings attention to me. 
God knows my family don't tolerate it anymore. They just <laughs> tell me what I need to go and do. But it's that sense of we now need to find appropriate spiritual disciplines that bring us back into the kingdom where other things have taken us away. Now I've put down some suggestions and examples of things that I've found. Um, you know, one of them is tiredness. Um, sometimes I'm, I get up in the morning and I'm grumpy. And when I processed why am I like that, it's because I, I went to bed late. Spiritual discipline, go to bed early. Sometimes I feel quite shut down and I feel distant from people. And nearly always that's because I need to process some hurt or pain, something that I haven't allowed to get to its end point as God designed it, and I need to now make my choice. Die to self or you know, chocolate cupcake or cream colour. I want the chocolate cupcake. But that's, I don't like expressing emotion. It's painful. It's, it takes time. It's, well, you've got a choice, Chris. Kingdom's very close at hand. Um, and I think normally, if it's a sin of omission, I, I failed to do something, the spiritual discipline normally needs to be a spiritual discipline of engagement. So if I haven't expressed my fear, that's a sin of omission. I need to do some confession, either by journaling or by talking. Um, if I if I've acted a, a sin of um, of commission, I've engaged with something that I shouldn't have done. Normally, the spiritual discipline is a detaching spiritual discipline. So I'm stressed because I've I've been sinful. God, I've worked too hard this week. I haven't built boundaries around my life. I haven't given myself space to be with you, and I'm frazzled. And everyone knows it. Okay, you need a spiritual discipline of solitude that detaches you, takes you out. And in that sense, our, our, our objective, Jesus' objective is to teach us to have a well-ordered heart. And my experience is that, that brings wonderful security. It, it means that you can... You can stand when circumstances buffet you, because actually you're not responding from circumstances quite so much. You're responding from internals that don't change. Jesus is the same today as he was yesterday. And I'm, I'm rooted in those, I'm operating out of my heart. That, then, then I'll have a bad day when it just goes to pot, and I'm going, what a, why on earth did we move to Ireland? Oh, God. I had a bad conversation there, and this didn't happen as I thought. Oh, and what's happened? In my heart, I've looked at my circumstances rather than Jesus. Does that make sense? Um, what are your top three barriers at the moment? Just ask that. What, what's stopping you from loving God and loving other people at the moment? Just answer that for yourself. And then think, right, what, what do I need to be doing in the next seven days? that will be the equivalent of me holding out my hands to grab grace from God.
you may want to write those things down, you may want to I'm less spontaneous, more organised in some things. And so I find it helpful to work with diaries. I go, I need solitude time. So when's that going to happen this week? If I don't get it in my diary, I know it won't happen. Some others find that is death and need to be more spontaneous. Again, your, your unique mix needs to be reflected in your spiritual disciplines. So for some of you, it's really great. I, I was asking Steve some of these things. And it's just interesting that, you know, he he hasn't done much journaling, but actually to get his guitar and worship, it just felt like, oh, that for you, Steve, is how you process. Just to worship. And as he worships, I'm sure, out comes some of the gunk, and then he might feel some stuff, and you you wouldn't want to see me play the guitar. God certainly wouldn't, and, and it wouldn't edify me or God, so... I, I need to find other ways of doing it. Um, but it, it's important that, that we engage with those things. Let's pray, shall we? opportunity to respond to Jesus if you feel like uh, you just want to be like Peter Peter's great isn't he he helps me realise I qualify, when I fluff it I qualify when I get it right I'm like him when he gets it wrong oh Jesus is Love and patience, but you know, who do you say Jesus is this evening? Do you want to be a disciple of Jesus? Jesus, where, um, okay, I'm feeling something, right? I feel like as I, as we've looked at this passage, I feel like this has opened some stuff up. And I don't want to, I don't want to belittle that. But at the same time, I don't want to shy away from the fact that this is God's agenda. So in other words, I'm, I want to be sensitive to it. Right. So if that's you this evening, you know it's stirred the pot. And Jesus, I pray for grace to bring faith. Above the pain or the confusion. Jesus, I want to thank you that you are a great high priest who's gone before us. You understand what it's like to be human. But I also want to thank you, Jesus, that you declared it's done, it's finished, everything has been provided. God, I want to ask for some miracles here tonight. I want to pray that you put in hearts uh, some seeds that weren't there before tonight. 
I pray that you water and blow on them, Jesus, and I ask you that they would grow into oaks of righteousness for the display of the Lord's splendour. I pray that you would now spring some of those prison doors in our lives. We know that the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on us for that. Isaiah 61. And again, this is not just for us, this is for our families, this is for our loved ones, this is for those who we don't even yet know Jesus. This is for people in our street. This is for Ireland. And we, we ask you this evening, Jesus, we intercede for ourselves. Now, strengthen us, God, equip us, help us. Help us, Jesus. But we, we pray with faith. Would you put something in us as a church, as a family? that becomes literally like a blazing lamp that burns. Like a vibrant city on a hill that draws everyone's attention, not for our glory, God, but for your renown and reputation. And I pray that it, some of it would come in, in these areas of seeing people set free. Jesus. Jesus. And we, we just want to look at you, Jesus, because when we look at ourselves, we, we struggle to believe that it can happen. But when we look at you, oh God, I want to thank you, but nothing that's been on earth this evening surprises you. Nothing of it worries you. We're done. I think what would be great is if, if someone could put the kettle on, people want to grab a drink. If, you, if you're sitting there and you're feeling like, oh, well, that's stirred a pot, and you want to talk before you go home, and that's possible, that's fine. Um, really fine. If you want to chat with someone, grab them. Make sure that that happens. Okay? Um, 